0: this week on Millennial.
1: That's really kind of like the beautiful thing of settling into love that you know is steadfast is that it kind of just becomes really quiet and you're just happy to like sit there and do nothing at all with your favorite person. Like it doesn't have to be pomp and circumstance. It could be as simple as like knowing how they take their coffee and making that for them every morning.
0: Pam, I know what your love language is.
1: Acts of service. Acts of service, (laughs) I was about to say.
2: One day we're going to start a recording session and there's going to be a dirty shovel sitting back here. And you guys are going to be like, what's up with the shovel? I'm going to be like, it's just my new decorative dirty shovel. And then lake water dripping off of it.
0: You're going to add something new every week. Like the following week. More clues. It'll be like a a dirty tarp.
2: (laughs) I've got blood all over my face when the camera comes on. Oh, shit. I forgot to wash my face. Welcome to Millennial and Rabbit Rabbit. We're the home of pretend adulting and real talk. Pam, first of all, we must turn our attention to you. You were gone last week because a couple hours before we started recording, you accidentally cut your hand in the kitchen. Are you okay? I'm
1: fine. I still have two hands and all 10 fingers. So thank you for the concern.
2: So we're not calling you Peter Pettigrew because you're missing a toe or finger.
1: Oh my gosh, imagine. (laughs) That'd be terrifying.
2: (laughs) I did tailor my recommendation on last week's episode directly at you. Oh. And we're actually recording today's episode just two days after that episode. Pam hasn't had a chance to listen, but please heed my recommendation because I haven't actually ordered it for you yet. So maybe you could just get it yourself. <laughs> you were
1: supposed to order it, Andrew.
2: <laughs> I forgot. Oh Sorry. Well, there's
1: still time. I could just like not listen to recommendations and be surprised whenever this shows
2: up. We could do both. I guess I could still order it for you and you can listen <laughs> and then eagerly anticipate it. Anyway, we're glad you're better. There's been some other major news this week. Gwyneth Paltrow found not guilty in that (laughs) ski accident. No. So like I said, we are recording on Thursday, March 30th, recording this one extra early. This will be out at our normal time, early April. I do have a bottle of bubbly here, though. I have not popped it. I'm not going to drink it. But Laura, would you like to give everybody the news that is the reason I'm holding this right now?
0: Oh my God, I get to do the honors.
2: Yeah, of course. You wrote it in.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, in the year of our Lord 2023, a few years too late, some might say, we finally have a Trump indictment just in time for tonight's recording.
2: We did it, Joe. We We got him.
0: (laughs) You got to sound drunker than that.
2: Mission accomplished. Saving it for breaking news.
0: (laughs) I know. I feel like we have to clip this part of the episode and put it on socials like ASAP because by the time this episode comes out, this won't be new news anymore.
2: Let's re-air the clip of was it breaking news when Trump got banned from Facebook and we just started the The breaking news installment just laughing for like a solid thirty to sixty seconds, <laughs>
1: something like that, yeah
2: <laughs> i I was very giddy with excitement when the report came down Thursday afternoon, but fill us in a little more Laura like what what can we expect from this?
0: We obviously don't know what the exact charges are yet. But we do know that this is in connection with the Stormy Daniels hush money scheme in which uh, Trump tried to indirectly pay Stormy Daniels um, hush money to keep um, their affairs secret when he was running for president. Um, he then tried to reimburse his lawyer for those funds. His lawyer is the one who put them up. And he tried to write those funds off as, quote, like legal fees, and ultimately claimed them on his taxes as such, which is a big no-no. I think if any one of us lowly peons tried to do something we would be in irs jail like yesterday
2: (laughs) right right
0: so yeah it wasn't the crime isn't necessarily that there was hush money paid it was that they lied and misrepresented what that money was used for
2: yeah And so, like you said, we don't know the exact charges yet. We probably won't until he's arraigned. Again, we're recording this Thursday. By the time this comes out, we might know the charges. But, you know, if it's a misdemeanor, it's not a big deal. He's not going to go to prison, especially because it's uh, little Donnie's first time uh, (laughs) being indicted. But if it's a felony, that could be a bigger problem for him. He could go to jail for a period of time, possibly.
0: Yeah. I
1: don't know how long... I think he would actually spend in jail. Do you think it would be like a like a performative two weeks or something? You know, kind of like they did with uh, who was it? Felicity was it Huffman. Felicity? Yeah, Felicity Huffman with the <laughs> yeah. Varsity Blue scandal.
2: Yeah, maybe it was some community service. Mm-hmm.
1: Imagine <laughs> Trump picking up trash on the side of the road in an orange jumpsuit that clashes with his spray tan. Oh man, there are you know, some other things that we are watching
0: for and what happens with Trump is also going to depend on these other cases. So uh, my home state of Georgia uh, has an inquiry into Trump's attempted interference with our 2020 election results. Um, Trump's team is currently trying to get this one thrown out. So we won't hear anything probably until May at the earliest, it sounds like. The four woman on this. I don't know if you've seen any of her interviews. She's been doing a lot of them. That's part of the reason why his legal team is trying to get this thrown out. Um, she doesn't have a great poker face. Let's just say that um, if that tells you anything about what's going to come out of this um, inquiry from Atlanta. And then the Justice Department is also investigating Trump for mishandling of those classified documents they found at Mar-a-Lago after he left office, as well as his attempts to interfere in the 2020 election nationally, and his role in the January 6th insurrection. So still quite a bit pending here, and this won't all seemingly entirely rest on what comes out of Manhattan.
2: Right, and these two other investigations are far more substantial than the stormy Daniels. I mean of the three we yeah, we would pass on this one the most, like it's just you know hush money ugh. not not as major as these other two, which are very, very serious, and now that he's been indicted in this case, you know things are gonna be moving before the twenty twenty four election these other two investigations. Those aren't going to be remotely wrapped up before the 2024 election. And by the way, even if he's convicted in the Stormy Daniels case, he it doesn't prevent him from running for president. Correct. You don't need a clean record to run for president.
0: No, you don't. There's I think it's you have to be 35 you have to be a natural born citizen and you have to have resided in the U.S. for at least 14 years. Those are the constitutional requirements. That's the and true American dream right there. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and I mean, the Constitution. And evidently male. Right. <laughs> right. The Constitution does lay out a couple of other cases where where you could be disqualified, but he doesn't currently
2: meet those standards. That aside, today's episode is going to be a confessional palooza. Confess, listeners, confess! I want to treat this like an exorcism. We throw them down backwards in the water. Like confess! Before we get to those, though, and we got lots of great confessions. Thank you so much, listeners. We are partnering with another podcast this week called Always the Last to Know to tell our audiences about one another. The show is hosted by two best friends who feel like school and their families dropped the ball on teaching them stuff they should know. That is definitely relatable on this show because our tagline, after all, includes the phrase fake adulting uh, because there's so much that we still don't know. So always the last to know has decided to educate themselves and their listeners along the way. Whatever rabbit hole you have yet to dive down, this podcast has been there. Unpacking NATO, clones, correcting inconsistencies in the public story of Marilyn Monroe, to current legislation sitting on Capitol Hill. From historical figures to current events, and all the things in between that they're embarrassed to admit they don't know. Ash and Katie are millennials just like us, and each episode is heavily researched from all perspectives in order to stick to the facts, but that doesn't stop them from putting in their two cents. Listen to Always the Last to Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. They're a homegrown podcast just like us, so I know they would appreciate your support. And we'll have a link in the show notes to the show as well. So it's time to confess. And we got a lot of emails, thanks to everybody who wrote in. We actually, for today's episode, also pulled some old confessionals from, I don't know, last four to six months. So some older ones are going to pop up here. Would one of you two like to read the first one? It's
0: a real missed opportunity that with all of this (laughs) confess rhetoric you're throwing around that we don't have you done up like Pastor Andrew. (laughs) And we can like have you dunking people in a kiddie pool, (laughs) telling them they're saved. (laughs) Confess! Confess!
2: There's lightning.
0: All right. Well, this first one reads, I know on an upcoming episode, you were planning on discussing the potential TikTok ban, and I wanted to share my perspective. While there may be national security concerns about TikTok, for me, it's been incredibly helpful as I navigate figuring out my identity and coming out. I knew I was different as a kid, but at that time, my hometown was not a place I could come out, so I wouldn't let myself consider I was different from my classmates, and after a while, I forgot I was pretending. Or I did until my For You page on TikTok became trans and non-binary people sharing their experiences. Because I saw people who looked like me, whose expressions matched mine, I finally let myself accept that I am trans. And as I navigate being a trans educator in a Republican state, TikTok's For You page has connected me with other trans educators. It may be selfish, but the collective positive LGBT communities on TikTok, in my opinion, will always outweigh the negatives.
2: That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. It is a good reminder of how important TikTok is for so many people. Yep. There are problems for sure, but the community there is in many ways unmatched.
0: It's more complicated than saying it's either all good or all bad. I think TikTok can absolutely present national security concerns, you know, data privacy and security concerns at the same time, to Andrew's point and to the point of this confessional writer, it does a lot of good. And if I thought that Congress was actually doing what they are doing in good faith, I might have different opinions about this, but I feel that they are using TikTok as a very recognizable scapegoat to try and do other kinds of nefarious shit with this whole restrict act um, which is really what the TikTok ban, what, what the TikTok ban is all about. Um, so it could potentially impact things if passed, like your ability to use a VPN, for example, which is something we chatted about on last week's episode. That can be very beneficial to maintaining your privacy and security. So I would just keep that in mind. I don't think Congress actually cares about TikTok. Um, I think TikTok. Does have some problems. I don't think they actually care about those problems because if they did, every other social media company that presents a lot of the same issues would be under the same kind of scrutiny. And they're not. And that's because TikTok is like a very convenient Trojan horse to use to get some of this other insidious shit through.
2: I would also. Anyway, I'll
0: get off my soapbox now.
2: I would also encourage this person to, if you haven't already, start looking for other places where trans educators are congregating. Maybe you've already found spaces like this, but it's important for people during this uncertain time to figure out where their communities might also gather or where they might already be gathering. It's an important reminder. This whole situation is an important reminder for creators on TikTok who are making a lot of money on TikTok or just trying to make it big on TikTok. You have to diversify. You need to be everywhere. Instagram, have your own website, Twitter, uh, YouTube, because they have a TikTok ripoff now. It's just really important for people to di- diversify. So if any one platform goes down, be it TikTok or anything else, you'll be okay because you have else, you have other income sources or you're, you have followings elsewhere.
1: This one says... Let me preface this by saying I'm a liberal, but I also want to say, fuck Joe Biden. After campaign promises to stop drilling, he has approved the Willow Project, which will basically fuck over the last bit of untouched nature in the USA. I'm disgusted, disappointed, and feel so betrayed, and yet also not surprised. Sigh. In the end, he's just as much of an asshole as Trump was when he approved the Keystone Pipeline. Biden's just another politician who is profit over everything. Always fuck him.
2: Yeah. So I guess the person who wrote this wanted to be anonymous just because maybe they think we wouldn't say such a thing. But one reason I wanted to include this confessional is to tell this person and others like we are more than happy to criticize Joe Biden here. And everybody should. Every Democrat should.
1: And I think we have done that before, too. We, I mean, we've definitely called out some bullshit. It probably just doesn't feel like as much because it, in a lot of ways, it's better now than mm-hmm. it was when Trump was in office and there was more. There was something to call out every day, you know, yeah. and that's not to say that, like, the issues that Biden is uh, sweeping under the rug aren't as important. But I just I just uh, think that you know, maybe confirmation bias sort of plays a role in there. So if you don't hear us talking as much about like the shitty stuff that Biden does, it just feels like we're not.
2: And just some context for people before we get further into this, the Willow Project is an oil drilling project located in Alaska. And I was doing some reading on this today, Biden signed on for this because of the looming energy crisis, and he did not want the legal battle that would have come with attempting to block the Willow Project from Conoco, Conoco Phillips, the oil company, Conoco, Conoco, that's why I'm like saying it with a question mark. Um but at the same time just to give this person and others a little good news Biden also announced sweeping new protections for federal land and waters in Alaska in tandem with Willow approval and the White House also made the entire US Arctic Ocean off limits to future oil and gas leasing so you know there's some there were some good announcements around the same time but yeah this was frustrating to see
0: It is and I I will admit I don't know a ton about this. It's not something that I really followed. But um, I have heard interpretations of this that it it was a little more complex. And I'm not defending Biden here, by the way, we could we could do a whole episode about the many issues that we take with Joe Biden. Maybe we should do that. Um, but it seems like this may have been a case where it wasn't quite so black and white as he wanted to do it or he didn't want to do it. I think there might've been some legal challenges in place. Andrew, I think you alluded to that. So it's just important context. It doesn't make it right. Right. I don't love it either. And Meg uh, in our discord, who is a conservation biologist, actually said, I feel this one. I wasn't the one who submitted it, but whoever you are, I get you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's something you don't expect to see from a Democrat in the White House. Yeah, I mean. Signing off on projects like this, but. They do it. (laughs) Next email. Hey, y'all. I work as a non-clinical manager at a hospital. I allow all my employees an uninterrupted lunch break. However, when I try to take a lunch, they all interrupt me. My food gets cold and I never get to take my lunch or eat. I am salaried, so if I don't get a lunch, I don't get a lunch. It has gotten to the point where I haven't had a lunch at work for the last three months because it's so busy or I'm constantly interrupted. Today... I closed my office door and took my lunch and didn't answer when they knocked or called me on the phone. I felt guilty for taking thirty minutes to myself. Am I in the wrong? What advice do y'all have?
1: Take that break. <laughs> yeah, you're not in the wrong. Yeah, <sighs> fuck I that. Think that. Take that like, break, yo. Honestly, like <laughs> I, I just kind of feel like the assumption is that managers don't need. Breaks too. Sometimes I I know somebody that's going through something similar right now, and it's like no, like take your break too. You know, you deserve a break even though you're higher on the totem pole than somebody that is your subordinate. And setting that hard boundary, yeah. No
2: calls or messages or knocked doors answered.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, leave me the fuck alone for thirty minutes. Right. I <laughs> Just can't believe 30. that they still kept knocking. I hope that that sent a clear signal. Don't feel guilty about this,
2: though. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I mean, after three months,
0: you know what I will say, though,
2: surprised you had the patience.
0: you know what I will say? And I know this is probably easier said than done. I can't imagine how hectic being a manager at a hospital is. But if if your employees can't go 30 minutes without needing you, that means you need help. In my mind, I'm like, what? It seems like you have too much on your plate, and you probably need like a counterpart to help support you because it's just not reasonable to expect one person to carry everything. What happens if you get the flu and you're just out for a week? What are they going to do?
2: Yeah, they need to learn. So they probably need more employees, but they also need to learn to be less dependent on yeah. you, at least for 30 minutes, well, or th- for an hour.
0: Or maybe they need a second manager who can help carry yeah. the load, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Easier said than none, I know.
2: <laughs> well, we hope that lunch felt orgasmic, confessional writer.
0: All right, this next one says, hello, millennial. I am a cisgender male, and recently I've been dealing with issues of weight gain and high cholesterol. I am six foot in my early 30s, and I weigh 218 pounds. My cholesterol is 268 uh, with the bad cholesterol at 189 and the good cholesterol at 70, Recently, I have had to get new clothes as my current clothes won't fit. Tops have gone up a size as well as bottoms. Um, I feel bad as I'm overweight, and I've also had to deal with the expense of buying new clothes when my old clothes are otherwise perfectly fine, and I've had them for years. I try to work out, but my job has changed to where that is harder to do during the day, I can usually only work out after work and usually don't have the energy for that. I love going to the gym, but feel like the hard part is nutrition and eating healthy. Can any of you offer any advice or suggestions on how to lose the quarantine 15? (laughs) I've never heard (laughs) that before.
2: Really? Or like the (laughs) COVID-15?
0: So I've heard people say the (laughs) COVID-19.
2: Oh, (laughs) Oh, that's clever.
1: That's cute. (laughs) I'll take a
2: crack at this because I definitely gained the quarantine 15 or the COVID-19. I also threw my back out around the same time early on in the pandemic. So I was uh, a bit of a mess on multiple levels. And first, to address the gym comment, you said you try to work out, but your job has changed to where it's harder to do during the day. I would recommend looking at these at-home workout programs because not only can they save you the hassle, hassle of going to the gym, they can also save you money. It's just so much easier to work out from home. Um, Peloton, they of course have the bike, but they also have a Peloton digital program. It's an app you can use on your phone or Apple TV or other smart devices, and you can get in very good workouts right at home, full body workouts, right at home, cardio or muscle or strength courses. Apple has one too, Apple Fitness Plus. There's Beach Body On Demand. That one's been around for a while. There's also plenty of programs for free on YouTube that are very popular. So I would definitely give those a look as well. In terms of the weight loss, I've experimented with intermittent fasting. I was hearing so much about it. I was like, you know what? Let me try it. I started with the eight sixteen program, which is 8-hour eating window, 16-hour fast. I'm now aiming for so eighteen hour fast, six, so 18-hour fast, 6-hour window, which basically means you're skipping a meal. I have come to skip breakfast. This is why I also do the black coffee. You're not supposed to be uh, eating or drinking anything with calories during that fast. It's worked okay for me. I don't know if it's actually worked for me. I'm not much of a snacker other than like right before we record the show or in the afternoons, I'm not like a late night snacker. And I think that's where it would really help somebody. So you can set up some guardrails in terms of when you're eating.
1: I know intermittent fasting works for a lot of people, but make sure you check in with yourself and like with your mental health. If you feel like you know um, skipping a meal would be detrimental to you and lead, lead you down like a darker path towards eating disorders, I would not recommend doing that. Um, If you have access to a nutritionist, that might be somebody that could help you figure out what a good meal plan is for you. So for like some people, intermittent fasting works. If you find that like you're hungry all day, maybe you're not getting enough water, maybe five smaller meals is a better way for you to like go about trying to stay full. I know a lot of people have a lot of success that way. Um, I would say what helps me is meal prepping. Um, If not once a week, then maybe like twice a week, because that way I know if, you know, I make lunch every day for seven days, I am not tempted to just like eat whatever it is when I'm starving because like I have the food ready. Or like if you're somebody that likes to eat out a lot, having meals that are already prepped for you will maybe curb that and will help you make healthier decisions. But it's really a lot of trial and error. So don't be discouraged if you try one thing and if it, and it doesn't work because not every plan is for everybody. And just keep at it.
0: I would say first and foremost, again, I'll say easier said than done. Being kind to yourself is important. And what that looks like is accepting where you are right now and not beating yourself up for it. A lot of people gained weight and experienced changes in their bodies during the pandemic. That is completely understandable. And you have to give yourself a little grace there. And you also have to be willing to say, you know what, I am where I am right now. And Being able to accept that and accept it with like minimal self-judgment is going to make it a lot easier to make reasonable goals. Um, Because if you start going like balls to the wall, like I'm going to drop like a crazy amount of weight in the shortest period of time, that's not sustainable. Research and studies have shown time and time again that just leads to like yo-yoing weight loss where it's like you gain and you lose and you gain and you lose. And that's not going to be good for your mental health. So thinking about it as a marathon, not a sprint, understanding that progress isn't linear. You know, if you're maintaining, you know, a pretty reasonable diet and you're getting regular physical activity you know, the scale's going to fluctuate a little bit. The scale shouldn't be your only data point, by the way, you should be doing other things to monitor your progress. Like you can take measurements, you can also note, like if you're seeing differences in the way your clothes fit you, if you feel better doing certain movements, if you feel stronger doing certain movements, there are just a lot of things you need to pay attention to and don't let the number you see on the scale assign like a value to you as a person, right? So there's just a lot that you need to consider. And just a lot of like, humility and kindness that needs to come from yourself to yourself (laughs) throughout this process, because otherwise, it's not sustainable, and it can be totally overwhelming. Um, So all of that is signed as someone who has like, struggled with my weight my entire adult life. So I feel you. (laughs) I feel you. But getting into a healthier mindset, I think, is one of the first steps to being able to do this in a healthy and sustainable way.
1: Also, to that point, like, I know it sucks, but buy yourself the clothes that fits now, even if you want to go thrifting for it. So it doesn't feel like you're dropping a lot of cash and a clothes can be expensive, but you're just going to feel probably so much better if you're not frustrated over the fact that what you do have in your closet doesn't fit. So that's not to say like you have to go out and like completely replace everything or get rid of the stuff that doesn't fit because it won't fit anymore ever, but it'll just help you feel better. About yourself because it's one less thing you're stressing about.
2: And I'll drop in two more things and then we can move on. So something that I have found has been helpful is developing shortcuts over time. And by that, I mean, for example, for a good year or two, we get in and out cheeseburgers every Sunday, right? I was getting two double double cheeseburgers, And animal-style fries. Do I really need two double cheeseburgers and animal-style fries every Sunday? No. So I cut out the fries. I still need those two cheeseburgers. I can do without the fries. Um, Do I need an appetizer with my Domino's pizza? No. Trying to avoid that. Do I need the Starbucks breakfast sandwich on Saturday mornings? No even though I was doing that weekly too. So I'm looking at just like little things to remove that might be painful at first. I miss those animal style fries. It's gonna be helpful over time. And then last tip I wanna give is look into Noom. This is actually a subscription program. It changes your thinking and your relationship about and with food. It just goes into healthier eating habits, Your relationship with your food, what you should be thinking while you're eating, stuff like that. If you don't want to buy the subscription, because everything is a subscription these days, they actually recently published a book, The Noom Mindset. We have this book. Pat went through the Noom program. It worked out very, very well for him, and um, he's still abiding by it. So I would definitely check out Noom, whether it's the program or the book.
0: And I just want to call out here that the confessional writer um, is in our Discord and mentioned that they're already taking uh, us and our listeners in the discord up on some of the advice that we've offered Um, and they also added um, that they have dropped uh, four pounds in
1: the last week so that's so great i'm proud of job confessional writer okay so i'll do number five yeah okay I haven't had sex in over a year. My partner is sometimes sad about it, but I just can't force myself to want to. I asked my gynecologist if there's such a thing as female Viagra. Apparently there's not. She said she could send me to a sex therapist to discuss my trauma. I don't have any trauma. I just have lack of interest in sex suddenly that hasn't gone away. She also said, just do it, schedule it, and recommended a self-help book that I haven't been able to force myself to read or listen to. I complained to my regular therapist and psychiatrist about this. And my psychiatrist said, wait, there is female Viagra. It's called Adye. I don't know if that's the way you you pronounce
2: it because I haven't heard of this. A-D-D-Y-I for anyone who wants to Google.
1: It's new. She prescribed it to me, and it actually got through my insurance. But it comes with so many warnings, and it's a daily medication that you can't have alcohol with. I would rather drink wine than take a daily medication to have an interest in sex again. Am I terrible? Should my partner dump me? Is my sex life even that abnormal? Are we just sold on what we on? We should want sex every night, every weekend, every month, whatever, or are, as. Millennials are aging. Is this actually more normal? And I'm stressed about this for nothing. I'm only anxious about it because my partner wants me to be more interested in sex. But also, I was very irritated with my gynecologist saying, just schedule it, which felt like her saying, just force yourself for his pleasure. Anyways, y'all don't have to share crazy details, but I'm wondering if other people's sex lives have changed significantly as we are now getting older."
2: So which part of this to address first? There's um the last part first. <laughs> As you get older, yeah, your sex drive can change. Has my mine, cha- mine changed a lot? No, <laughs> but that doesn't mean it can't happen. And I-, I I definitely hear those stories time and time again. Um, I think you need to find a new G Y N.
0: Yeah. Scheduling I- sex? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And see, it'd be one thing if you and your partner felt the same way about this. If you were both like, we want to have sex more, but we just never have time. Okay.
2: Right. Schedule I can see it, yeah. the scheduling
0: recommendation working, but it's like, that is not, that is not it. <laughs> when you have somebody who's like, I just genuinely don't want to. Yeah, and also the suggestion that you don't want to have sex because of your trauma. <laughs> Like, somebody can just not want to, and it doesn't mean they're traumatized, right? So that, yeah, there are a, a lot of amazing GYNs out there. You should find a new one.
1: Michelle in the Discord is actually bringing up a good point, which is that it could be a hormonal imbalance, so, and they also add this person could also be ACE, which is obviously a possibility as well. But I mean, hormonal imbalance as you get older, especially for women, that is a huge thing. If you hadn't had, if you haven't had blood work done in a while, you could ask your GP. About getting on that, I don't think your um, your gyno would necessarily think to do that specifically. Um, also, just because you mentioned that you see a therapist or a psychiatrist, if your um, if you take any like medication for mental health, sometimes that has an effect on sex drive as well.
0: Yeah, SSRIs can definitely do that.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And I think, really, in terms of this person asked, should my boyfriend dump me? I mean. That Should my partner dump me? That's a conversation you two are going to have to... Like, What's your partner thinking about all this? Is it a deal breaker for them? It could be. It also might not be. Can you two work something out to deal with this situation? I mean, I know this can be a sticking point in some relationships if one wants more sexy time and the other doesn't. I don't think you should assume your partner is disappointed in you or wants to dump you just because of mm-hmm. your current situation.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, realistically, is it always easier if your sex drive matches your partner's sex drive? Of course, because then you're on the same page. But I think that the reality that most people don't talk about is that it—that's not the norm for every couple, and sometimes it is about communication. I'm sure it sounds like you've been communicating with your partner very well, which is good. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that that, that, that first and foremost is the most important.
2: Yeah. It come to a resolution like, Hey, I don't care if you're jerking it more often. I don't, I get it. I get it. You want me to watch you? Will that turn you on?
0: I would say too, just to remember that, um, you're not alone on this front. There are, again, a lot of studies out there showing that uh, millennials as a generation, and this is like self-reported data, are not having as much sex as prior generations. And there are a lot of theories about why that might be. But you're not weird. There are plenty of people um, who are, who are in that boat. So... I wouldn't assume that there's like something wrong with you or there's something weird about you.
2: All right. Next email.
0: All right. The next one. I am dealing with a struggle of the heart in college. I was in love with a guy who broke my heart by only wanting to be friends or friends with benefits due to the distance we lived apart. Sidebar. I feel you. I think we've all been there. This is some bullshit. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, The the writer goes on to say, we parted ways when I realized he didn't love me. He was my the one that got away. We both have since gotten married. It's been over a decade since I saw him. But four months ago, he contacted me to tell me he was divorced and we were friends again. Only friends. He told me he loved me back then and would have been with me if we had agreed on whether to have children. He wanted kids. I didn't and still don't. Knowing he had feelings for me back then has fucked me up. He told me he regretted not being with me. He told me I was the one. I feel like I am living through a butterfly effect. I love my life and my husband, but this guy is on my mind again. I pushed him out of life, out of my life once, and I know that's probably what I need to do again, but I don't want to. I don't know how to proceed.
2: Yeah, that is super tough because you really don't want to let them go. But you have to. You got to block. It's That's going to be one of the hardest things you do. And you're going to be thinking about it for a really long time. And you're going to continue wondering what if. But I think the answer is you got to cut them off completely.
1: I also just feel like it's really telling that he already said that he contacted you and only wanted to be friends, but then also told you that you were his one that got away. That feels very mind gamey to me. Yeah, and I would I would definitely cling to that as like a prime example of the fact that if you follow down this path, you're just going to be right back where you started, and you don't want to go through that same heartache twice.
0: Yep, I, I'm picking up major red flags here. There's a lot. Like everything that has already been mentioned. You need to consider what your life was like when this person was a major part of it, when they were present in your life, and what your life has been like as they've not been involved with it. And ask yourself which life it is you want to be living. That would be my advice.
2: Yeah. And what if things were to fall apart again? Yeah, you already got divorced, presumably, and now you're back with this guy, but now he's dumping you, potentially, or you're realizing it's not working out. This just does not seem worth it, as as painful as it is to accept. Yeah, and eventually, hopefully, you'll be able to just fully move on. But the black button will be helpful for as long as people continue talking in like seventy percent of tough breakup situations. You are never going to get past that. You got to block. These people who come out of the woodwork, they're playing mind games. So this
1: next one reads, this isn't anything overly spicy, just something I wanted to get off my chest. I, 30 female, have been with my husband, 29 male, for 12 years and happily married for four. After moving out of our small town to a larger city with a significant queer community and being locked inside together for much of the pandemic, my husband and I realized that we're queer. My husband is now thinking he might be bi and I identify as bi demisexual. I prefer queer though, less explaining. It was nice to find our community and find an explanation for what I was always thought was just being different. Since I'm now heavily involved in the queer community here, I decided I should probably come out to my family just to give them a little heads up as to why I'm participating in and holding all of these queer events. I didn't think it would matter because nothing has changed. We're still the same. My husband and I are still in a long term monogamous straight passing marriage, no biggie. And boy, was I right. The response just don't tell your grandparents at the convert, and the conversation was over. I mean, it changes nothing. And I didn't expect a party, nor did I expect to get disowned, thankfully. I'm very grateful for that. My husband and I have finally found the little puzzle piece in our community and they essentially told us to keep it hidden. It kind of hurt and sucked. Again, it's no biggie. We're incredibly lucky and grateful, but still annoyed and hurt. If it had been anyone else in the family, they'd have cared, but because it's me, they don't even acknowledge it. And because we've left it so long ago and because it's not a big deal, we can't bring it up because bringing it up will turn it into a big deal." So this is just us getting it off our chest, making this thing that is big to us, big for just a moment, anonymously. Thank you for secret little vent, Big love.
2: Aww.
1: Hey,
0: thank you for sharing. I'm really sorry that you didn't get the response that you hoped for or the support that you hoped for from your family. Um, But we support you. We're happy for you. Yeah. For you both.
2: Yeah, and also maybe a note of inspiration. When I came out to my grandparents, they were nothing but supportive. In fact, my grandfather, when he found out, not directly from me, but when he found out, he called me and said, because I am his oldest grandson, he called me and said, you're still number one in my book or something like that, saying I was still number one.
1: I knew you were going to say you were the fave.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I think he also kind of meant like, um, his first grandson, you know, so still number one. That's, that that's so sweet. I don't know. Either way, it was really, really yeah. nice, and it did really mean a lot to me because that is a tough uh, pair of people to come out to. And the reason I bring this up is that you know I wasn't sure how they would have reacted because they're in their upper seventies. They're they're old. They're yeah. from a different time. Like I I would probably not have come out to them myself, but they were very supportive and. Your grandparents might, too, if the opportunity ever presents itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to to gauge whether or not that is. Obviously, you would have a better barometer for that than we would. But if you feel like it feels right and you think that maybe your parents don't realize um, the fact that your grandparents would actually not care, then I don't think there's any harm in just saying thanks, but no thanks to that advice and letting them know. Sometimes grandparents can surprise you, like Andrew said.
2: Yeah, and to your point, nothing changes, and that should be further comfort to your grandparents, even if they are skeptical or disappointed, air quotes, yeah. so I'm also, sorry that happened. That'd it's be really frustrating.
0: It's y'all's story to tell. Mm-hmm. Nobody else gets to tell you how or when to tell your
2: story. All right, next one. This one's uh, deep-ish. My confession, I regret getting married. That's not to say I don't love my husband. I really do. He's my best friend, and I love spending every day together and getting to share everything with him. I love our adventures and our life together a lot, but since I was a kid, I never liked the idea of getting married. To me, it wasn't important and just seemed unnecessary in this day and age. I didn't and don't like the idea that our relationship be legitimized. We have to fill out some paperwork and pay the state money. We had the most casual possible marriage process. No proposal, just figuring we weren't planning to get rid of each other anytime soon, so why not get those sweet tax benefits? No wedding because we didn't want one and it was lockdown. We simply signed a piece of paper in our living room in front of my mom and brother. Literally nothing changed from before being married to after. And that's all fine. No regrets. I simply just don't like the feeling of being married. I feel awkward when I mention my husband. I think I would be more comfortable calling him my partner and leaving it ambiguous to whoever I'm talking to. Maybe it's because we got married quite young. I'm currently 25 and he's 27 and we've been married for two years. I'm happy to be with him, but I just wish we kept going along as we were without slapping husband and wife on the relationship. Thanks for reading this rambling mess. I haven't said this to anyone in my life because I feel like they'll take it the wrong way and assume I regret getting married to my husband." I hope this made at least a little bit of sense to y'all. I love the podcast and everything you guys do. Well, thank you. And again, this is why we love the confessional. It is an opportunity for people to get for people to get things off their chest. So we're glad it is helpful, genuinely. None of us here are married. So I guess we can't really speak to this person's side of the aisle, so to speak. <laughs> but I will say that I haven't felt the urge to get married either. I don't know what it adds to my life. I think that's what hangs me up more than anything. And I don't want a ceremony. For somebody who hosts a podcast and in theory I might crave attention, I don't want that attention at all. And maybe that's some deeply rooted shame in my sexuality. I genuinely don't know. I just don't want that. And uh that said I do want those sweet tax benefits. The the healthcare thing would be good.
0: So that's what I was gonna say. Um <laughs> I only see the only reason I see to get married for myself personally um, because I don't want kids. So that makes this all a little bit easier for me. Um, but yeah, is those like sweet tax benefits and the legal protections that it affords you. So like yeah. if, if you or your partner gets sick, like you get, you know, power of attorney over each other and and all that good stuff. And if they have a shitty family, their shitty family can't like shut you out of things. Um, so that's all really important. But I agree with you. Getting married shouldn't change the nature of your relationship. Signing that piece of paper, putting a ring on the finger, like whatever it is, your relationship should still be pretty much the same. I don't really anticipate like I plan on getting married. I don't have a timeline for that. I'm not really particular about it either but like i don't anticipate it changing anything about my life and i think that it's really fucked up culturally that we condition people to think that getting married is going to be this like life changing event. I feel like we condition people to think about their wedding day and not about their actual marriage.
2: Oh, yeah. That's the big day. All the money goes to that. It all leads up to this.
1: Right. I feel like it's very that's a very old school mindset. Nowadays, it probably doesn't matter as much as it did back when it was more common for people to like, especially women to maybe live at home before they got married, or even to like yeah. like this whole like arbitrary idea of saving yourself for marriage too. was really like rooted in that, you know., um, but like that's just like simply not the case. Anymore nowadays, when it's so common for people to live with their partners for years before they get married. And honestly, like getting married shouldn't change anything. I think like that, that's really kind of like the beautiful thing of settling into love that you know is steadfast, is that it kind of just becomes really quiet and you're just happy to like sit there and do nothing at all with your favorite person. Like it doesn't have to be pomp and circumstance, it could be as simple as like knowing how they take their coffee and making that for them every morning. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the little Aww. things. Yeah.
0: Pam, I know what your love
2: language is.
1: <laughs> Acts of service. <laughs> Acts of service, I was about to say. And also words of <laughs> affirmation. I know this about myself.
2: <laughs> Laura, you and I are so shallow, though. We're just in it for the tax benefits. Like, my God.
1: Well, no. So here,
0: here's the thing. I love my partner <laughs> deeply. Like oh, Mark, I
2: know that. Mark
0: is my life partner. Like, I am not, if for some reason this doesn't work out, or like, I'm going to knock on wood here, for some reason, like, it just isn't a thing for the rest of our lives, I'm not looking again, because dating is fucking awful.
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, this is some interesting news. Laura wh- would never date again. If probably things- No.
0: I mean, well, I don't life, know if I believe life, that. Life can always like throw curveballs at you and stuff. But think about how exhausting dating is. I'm like, no, I already, I found the person. This is it for me, and we're gonna be shacked up for
1: the rest of our lives. We might as well get those sweet tax benefits. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> yeah. and if this makes people feel better, like y'all are thinking tax benefits, I'm just thinking like. All around me in my life, it's just like full of people that have gotten divorced. My brother and I talk about the idea of getting married a lot. And we've all we've seen our whole lives, like really all we've known, like obviously there are strong relationships around us, but it's a lot of it took a lot of divorce to get to the people that have now found strong relationships. So for us, it's like. You know, it's like, it would be nice to get married, but if it doesn't happen and we just like find our people and we just like live with them, it's not a big deal because like fine. Yeah. Like that piece of paper does not guarantee that you stay together forever. And I think that for a lot of people, they're still thinking about it in those terms. But when you grow up around divorce, it's like, what does this really mean? You know, like all we've seen is that like, it means jack shit because like our parents got divorced. My dad and my stepmom are divorced. My grandparents Mm. got divorced. My grandma, like the grandpa I have now is like my grandma's second marriage, you know, happy for them. They loved each other for 40 years, but that wasn't her first person. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, the hassle of going through the divorce, it's so much easier for just somebody to move out. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Maybe that's secretly why Andrew doesn't want to get married, because if it doesn't work out, he doesn't want to pay the divorce.
2: I don't want to go through the hell of the divorce. (laughs) It's so much easier to walk out of the house and never return.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) Andrew, I have no idea what Nevada, like, if they have any, like, common law, Um.
2: I don't know either. Laws? I don't know either.
0: Because in some states, if you cohabitate long enough, you're considered like common law married. Yeah, I
1: think it that's the case in California. I think it's 10 years or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, according to you, Laura, I like burying bodies in Lake Mead. So <laughs> I think we know what I would do if I ever wanted to get out of a situation with Pat and oh there was God. some legal trouble.
0: Well, if that happens, I'm calling unsolved mysteries and I'm pointing the finger at you.
2: <laughs> I need to one day we're gonna start.
1: Like we love you, but we also (laughs) love (laughs) pads.
2: One day we're gonna start a recording session and there's gonna be a dirty shovel sitting back here. And you guys are gonna be like, what's up with the shovel? I'm gonna be like, nothing. What are you talking about? It's just my new decorative dirty shovel. And then lake water dripping off of it.
0: You're gonna add something new every week. Like the following week. More clues. It'll be like a a dirty tarp. (laughs)
2: i've got blood all over my face when the camera comes on oh shit i forgot to wash my face (laughs) i really i love this aesthetic
0: we're we're veering towards where andrew is like andrew's like a low-key serial killer just like hiding in plain sight
1: exactly he wants that 60 minutes unsolved special (laughs) I, I'm. I, Dateline, I've already got a,
2: a Bowser Lego <laughs> behind me, a foot tall Bowser Lego behind so me. So what you're uh, saying I'm, is that
1: you've been showing us who you really are inside for years. The energy, and just ignoring it. <laughs>
2: I'm kidnapping princesses and princes. Well, anyway, um, yeah. And the healthcare is one reason I would want to get married, or just getting uh, a legal union.
0: Yep. Also, call your partner, whenever you want to call them.
2: Yeah, babe. Like, Hun, cutie, bottom. As
0: long as they're okay with it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Coming up, more confessionals, including some big ones about relationships and job-related confessionals. We'll be right back.
0: Our next one is work-related. I am lucky enough to have a hybrid...
2: (laughs) It says I am lunch enough, but uh, we assume it means I am lucky enough.
0: I, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. I had to re. I was like, what?
2: but I prefer that. I am lunch enough.
0: I am lunch enough. I, I like that. <laughs> New tagline. Uh, OK, <laughs> I am lucky enough to have a hybrid work situation. I do go to the office most days because I have to take my kid to school, but sometimes I drop them off and head back home for the day. I usually do this when I'm feeling lazy and don't want to get ready for work or when I have a few chores to do or a package to sign for. Sometimes, though, I work from home because I want a nap. The confession part? I'm paid hourly, so sometimes this nap bleeds into when I'm supposed to be working. I don't do this often, or if I have stuff on my to-do list – There are times when I'm waiting on my boss slash owner of the company, who is a major micromanager, to email me back on several projects so I don't have anything I can move forward on. If it helps any, he has told other supervisors at the office that he's paying people to fill seats and that we should be there even if there isn't work to do. (laughs) That's it. Sometimes I nap on company time when I don't have work on my list. Love you guys.
2: You know what? Good for you. I don't think there's anything wrong with this. If you're still getting all of your work done, why not? I can see why you feel guilty, though. I think some people, you included, myself included, we might feel like garbage if we're not working during the work day. I have this problem. In recent weeks, I've been a little less busy with um, podcast editing work. And I'm like, well, I need to be doing something. I'm not the type of person that in the middle of the workday, I'm going to go play a video game just because I have free time. I'm thinking about potential new projects and stuff like that. It's just like this curse and it's not healthy, but we feel like we need to be working during work hours. So I feel like that's where you're coming from, but you're also in a good position that you're getting paid (laughs) while you're napping. I wish I could do that. And the only reason I I can't is because I have to show this work takes time and I have to show my work at the end of it with podcast editing. You know what I mean? Anyway, again, I think it's fine. Laura's abstaining. Nope, I I, <laughs> I
0: mean we don't want to no... get you in trouble. Yeah, but no, no mean, comment. Yeah.
1: I think that I <laughs> I would I would agree with Andrew. As long as it's you're getting your work done and it's not affecting your employee work, it's probably fine. If you especially if you're like napping during your lunch and maybe you're just like going over 20, 30 minutes or something like that. It's probably not gonna break the bank. But I would just be very careful because. You don't want to get caught <laughs> sleeping on the
2: job. Yeah, no, definitely not. Definitely not. But if you're at home and you've got that extra time, I I really don't see the issue here. Other than that, our own self-imposed guilt. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll move on. Pam, you got the next one.
1: Okay, this one says, I started out the work from home transition, loving it. I was more productive, I felt more energized. And most importantly, I reclaimed three hours of my day because I'm not commuting. Managed to fill those hours with fulfilling side projects and more of the things I love. My dilemma Over the last six months, I've kind of been slacking on the work part. There are days that I'll lie in bed until 10am on a workday scrolling through my phone and barely checking my email. My company doesn't keep track of my computer usage since most of my job is offline. I get all my work done. My performance is technically at an all-time high if you go by my recent performance review metrics." I've never missed a meeting or a deadline and my managers are all very pleased with my work. Should I feel guilty or is taking a bit of me time okay? I dread the thought of going back into the office, but maybe I should just suck it up and force myself to get out of bed. Hashtag am I burned out or just lazy? I think that Andrew will agree with me here that this is like the huge downside to working from home is it's really easy to get unmotivated or kind of like fall into bad habits if, you know, like the discipline starts lacking.
2: Yeah. But like the previous email writer, they are still doing great. So you have to keep that in mind. Like if, you, if you're if you doing good, if everything's normal from your boss's side, good for you. And I think you're still killing it. I guess for me... I feel like a broken record saying this, but I am a morning person and I've never had the urge to sleep in, (laughs) at least uh, on weekdays. So I I don't think you should be feeling guilty as long as, again, you're getting all your work done.
1: You know, something that might actually help you feel more energized, because I I think that like, that's the key thing here, right? Like, you don't want to feel sluggish. And that's the worst, especially if you are, you are working from home is if you can take your work to go and maybe like once a week work out of a coffee shop or a cafe you like or the library that might actually energize you and it wouldn't involve having to go into the office. Sometimes a change of, sh- of scenery can really do wonders to that effect. But I guess like bottom line, it's good that your performance is not hurting from all of this because that would definitely be maybe something to be concerned about.
2: Speaking of feeling motivated, start your day with a walk. 9 a.m., 8 a.m., do a little walk around the neighborhood, uh, work out at home like we were talking about earlier. Those help me feel energized. Get a standing desk. There are times where I've been sitting here for a few hours and I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like I want to hunch over a lot. I'm tired of sitting. Get a standing desk and work standing up. That can promote uh, not only better circulation, you feel more motivated to work.
0: I think a lot of people who've been working from home, like who transition to work from home from like working in an office or something. I think a lot of people feel like they're actually getting more done at home, and I feel this way too. I feel like without all the distractions of being in an office, I feel like I'm generally more productive. So I would say to look out for potential burnout there, like making sure that you're pacing yourself throughout the day and not like sitting in a chair in front of your computer, your workstation, whatever, for eight hours without getting up for a break, without getting up to like actually eat lunch, like get some water.
2: Go for a little walk midday, not just the morning.
0: Yeah, because I I think sometimes when you get on a roll at work, it can be really easy for the hours to pass you by. And whereas you might have had more of those natural breaks when you were In a workplace setting, you're not getting those at home because they don't, you don't get those natural distractions. So you just have to make sure that you're pacing yourself so that you're not burning yourself out through increased productivity, if that makes sense.
2: Meg said, how do I acquire this magical wanting to wake up in the morning power? The promise of coffee gets me up in the morning. Mm. That
1: gets me up too.
2: (laughs) That's an exciting drug.
1: Realistically, if you just like don't start cold turkey, I would just start like getting up, you know, even like 10, 20 minutes before you normally would. Yeah. And and like once you're adjusted to that, you can like move it up a little bit more. And try to go to bed
2: earlier. I know it's not easy. Try to go to bed earlier. Take some CBD oil that can maybe help you fall asleep earlier or at least on time.
0: See, I'm a caffeine addict, but coffee doesn't get me up in the morning. Coffee just... It's the thing that keeps me from becoming horizontal again.
1: <laughs> keeps me from going back to bed. I want to get one of those like time, you know, like the coffee makers where you can like set the time. Because sometimes just the smell is like, ooh, but I really want that cup of coffee. So like yeah, that. The might best help. part of
2: waking up is Folgers in your mm-hmm. cup. Even though we don't drink Folgers here, I'm no,
1: sure. Don't. I don't drink Folgers either.
2: Yeah, Pam, on a related note, I need to put my uh, water kettle on like a smart plug and be good to get, oh, get good about putting water in it the night before, then turning mm. it on like right before I get out of bed because I hate waiting for that water to heat up in the morning.
1: Yeah, that's smart.
2: It's the one good thing about a cure egg. That thing's like always ready to go if you want it to be. All
0: right. This next one reads, I don't love all three of my dogs equally. Two I love immensely and have had as since they were puppies. Then one was unceremoniously left with us after his owner decided her boyfriend was more important. I want to love him, but he is a breed I never wanted. He is small, yappy, doesn't get along well with people, especially children, and I feel like I'm stuck with him. I can't bring myself to give him up. I have a good home for him, and he doesn't deserve to be abandoned a second time. However, three dogs are really hard to manage, and I'm having a baby, which makes it even harder. He barks all the damn time and hates kids. I don't trust him around a new baby, but he loves us so much, I just feel trapped.
2: Aww. That is a really tough situation. That's
0: really hard. Yeah
2: especially with a baby coming in. I mean, I know you'd still have to be rehoming him technically, but maybe is there a family member who would take him in? So to you, it might feel like more like a half step, like you're not exactly getting rid of him because you'll still be in touch and kind of connected to the home the dog's in and the dog.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering if there are any training possibilities for this dog. I know dog training can be really expensive, but if you, if you find a good trainer, uh, and you stick to it, it can make a really big difference. Even if the dog's a little bit older, um, there's, you know, still a lot of techniques that can be really helpful. Um, but I also understand that's a lot of stress on top of having a baby and, you know, getting ready for that. Um, I am a huge dog lover, so I I would always be in favor of doing everything that you can to salvage the situation and avoid rehoming the dog. But um, I understand it's, it's a complicated situation and there's really not any great answers here for you or the dog.
2: In terms of training and affordability, maybe look at one of these pet chains like PetSmart. I know they have training classes. I don't know if Mm -hmm. it's for older dogs. They do. They do? Okay. And I I feel like those are probably cheaper than like a one-on-one dog trainer who's coming to your home. So I would probably, because it's a chain, I'd probably recommend looking into reviews for that particular location first, but there's probably some affordable options in terms of getting them ch- trained. I was
1: going to suggest looking into like checking with your humane society, your local SPCA. Sometimes I know they do like um, sometimes they do discounted medical procedures. I know this is not medical, but you know, sometimes they help out in an effort yeah. to make sure that the dog stays with a good family too. Yeah. So they might be able to point you in, in the right direction as well.
2: And back to training on your own, there's courses on YouTube. Like I mentioned earlier, there's courses for everything on YouTube. I think I assume some of them are are pretty helpful just looking at the number of views on a lot of these. I know there's a dog training masterclass at masterclass.com too. That could be an option if you want to go with a vetted professional on a big platform like that. So there's a couple different options for you.
0: Something else I would also just add there and we can move on. Um, Get the get the, your dog screened, like take them to the vet and get like a full blood panel done on them. Have them examined by the vet because it's always possible that certain behavioral issues can be linked to certain health issues. Um, or it could even just be anxiety. Dogs, you know, have mental health issues just like people do. Um, Canella, my dog, she's She's a she's of the small yappy breed uh, variety that I think you're discussing. And um, she especially when she was younger, she was never um, aggressive or anything, but she was reactive and she barked a lot. Um, And we ended up getting her on some anxiety medication and it really helped um, with that. But then it also became clear that she was more comfortable as a result too so nice. you might be
1: might be doing this dog a favor to get him checked out this one says i never finished my masters program i am one class short I walked in graduation, have a career in the field I was pro- I was in the program for in a role that you need a degree for. I put the acronym behind my name on email signatures, but I'm a big old fraud. No one else knows, and it is eating me up from the inside out. I say I'll go back and finish the credits when I have the time and money, but honestly, I'm afraid that if I do, I won't be able to do so on the down low, and I'll be exposed.
2: Exposed by who?
1: I, maybe they're just worried about losing their job.
2: But here's, I will
1: tell you that, like, at a certain point, and this is not to dissuade anybody from, like, not going to university, but, like, after a certain point, I think that your experience speaks louder than your degree does, especially if you have um, experience in the field, which obviously now you do, Um, sometimes needing a degree, like, I'm not talking about, like, a doctor situation, right? But, like, sometimes... These companies say that they that you need a degree to do the role, but like you really don't. I don't know. This is tricky, but if it makes you feel better, I would say that you you might like your experience might already be higher than what you would have learned with those last few credits in your master's program. I think only
0: you can decide um what you should do here. And I think for the most part, it's gonna be up to like what you can live comfortably with. I will say um, I got my master's almost 10 years ago at this point, which is a really fucked up thing to think about because we started the show while I was doing my master's. (laughs) I have never once had anyone, employer or otherwise, question my credentials, nor have I ever been asked for proof. Take that for what you will.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. And as somebody who dropped out of college. Um I can say that it definitely worked out for me. That said, there was once an article on me in this paper called the Orange <laughs> County Register about 10 years ago. And in both the headline and the article, it calls me a Cal State Fullerton graduate. I did go to Cal State Fullerton. I did not graduate. I did not tell them that I graduated. And so, this is my diploma. <laughs> oh
1: no! Do you feel guilty about that?
2: Well, at first, I did. I was disappointed that they misreported the story. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's just funny. Yeah. And I presume there's people at Cal State who look through articles that mention their schools, and maybe they looked me up and saw I wasn't a graduate. They could have reached out to the Orange County Register and said, hey, that's not true. But they didn't. They probably looked away, looked the other direction, because it's an article about one of their students. So it well, just it does looks make good them look that. good
1: on the, yeah. you know, as a result. So do you think they
0: would really be like, oh, let me check on Andrew Sims to make sure he actually Too graduated?
1: <laughs> no, no offense. I, like, I don't know. Not worried about little old Andy, <laughs> the OC Register.
2: Yeah, maybe. Maybe you're right. But anyway, I need to print this out and highlight the graduate parts and just like (laughs) put like a little diploma stamp on it or
0: something. Seriously, at least you didn't pay $80,000 for that piece of paper. (laughs) It's more than we can say for most college graduates.
2: No, in fact, they paid me in that I got a good free photo shoot out of it from from their newspaper (laughs) photographer. Um, But the last thing I'll say is I'm a big proponent of fake it till you make it. It's kind of in our tagline here at the show. And if you can make that work for you, then just go for it. And like Laura said, people don't even look. It's not as important as it used to be. College is still very important in many fields, but fewer fields than it was necessary for 10 years ago. There's just been a shift in in how we look at college in this country and this world. And it's a good thing, especially considering how expensive universities are. All right, in this final email, we're going to end on a positive note. This is actually an update confessional. Hey everyone, I wanted to update you on a previous confessional I sent in last year about my debt situation. I have been working with a debt relief company and have paid off one smaller debt and I'm still working on two larger ones, but I am making progress. The two larger debts are close to being negotiated and I qualified for a consolidation loan, which will take care of them in full after negotiation. Then I will just have to pay off my consolidation loan, which will be better off for my credit and get me back on the right track. My credit score did take a large dip, but has been slowly improving and will continue improving after I pay off my remaining debts and start paying on, start paying on the loan. It's been tough and stressful, and with the rising cost of everything, it hasn't made it any easier. I've been looking for a cheaper place to live, but that has been hard as well, since it's been impossible to save up any money for a deposit and rent, and my credit is so low. I would potentially need a cosigner. I'm still living paycheck to paycheck and trying to keep up with important bills such as my debt payments, current rent, and vehicle trying to stay positive. But then this person saw that we were including this confessional on this week's episode, and they gave us another quicker update. I see you're reading my confessional in regards to debt relief. I would like to add a little update. While I'm still trying to find a cheaper place to live and financially still struggling, I negotiated all my debts and was able to qualify for a personal loan to pay those off. I'm now in loan repayment and my credit has gotten into the good zone. Woo!
0: Yay! That's good, really good for exciting. you!
2: And they think they'll be debt free by the end of 2026 if all goes well. It's
1: just around the corner. That's great. That's great. Yeah, that's yeah. nothing. Good job. Well,
2: yeah. I definitely wanted to include that because we often say to people, hey, send in an update when you got one. So thank you to this person for sending in that update and a very good update as well. So that concludes our confessional Palooza for now. I hope everyone has felt cleansed if they got out what they wanted to get out. And thank you to everybody who submitted something. We included, I think like 90% of the confessionals that came in and uh, those other recent ones from the last few months that we read at the beginning. It really means a lot that we can reach out and say, hey, send in uh, feedback about a certain topic. And you guys always come through. So thank you very much for doing that. We're also very grateful for our patrons. Patreon.com slash millennial is where you can support us. You are the reason why we have this podcast. So we really appreciate you. A couple benefits I just want to mention really quick. You can hang out in our virtual recording studio each week and discuss the show in real time with fellow listeners in our Discord. And that's always a good time. And when you pledge, you receive a custom RSS feed that you can put into most podcast apps so you can listen to all of our bonus audio content the usual way. So it eliminates some of the friction that comes with pledging to a different platform. And coming up in After Dark today, there's a new poll conducted by a real estate advice website examining the motivations, experiences, and disappointments of those who recently moved. And they also asked the question, if money were no object, which five cities would you prefer to move to? Laura's Atlanta and my Vegas came in the top four Vegas in the top four. So we'll talk about why our cities ranked like they did and why the heck Pam's Bay Area didn't appear in the top 10 in today's After Dark. Once again, patreon.com slash millennial. It's time for recommendations. One of 2 want to go first?
1: I'll go first because it's related to Patreon. On the variety show this week, we kind of had a laid back discussion and I talked a little bit about Yellow Jackets on show, showtime. So I wanted to recommend that on this show as well. It's a good reminder for all of you to go check out our variety show episode two if you haven't yet. Um, but yeah, the show is really good. So if you've been sleeping on it, uh, do yourselves a favor and make it a point to catch up. I think that there are four episodes into season two now. So if you don't have showtime regularly, You won't have much longer to wait if you just want to pay for like a month and binge this and anything else that's been catching your eye. But it's really good. I would say it's a little bit scarier and more suspenseful than um, The Last of Us. So keep that in mind if you're a wet blanket like I am and it centers on a uh, high school uh, soccer team that gets stranded out in the woods after their plane goes down and all that transpires after that. And then it shows us flashbacks into, into the present day, um, with regards to like how they're still coping with the trauma of being lost in the woods and kind of going mad out there too.
0: Um, well, I would like to make, um, What I think is probably like the semi annual recommendation that Pam and I both make about sunscreen. It's getting warmer here in the Northern Hemisphere, and while you should Wear sunscreen year-round because sun damage can happen at any point in the year. Um, As temperatures are getting warmer, the days are getting sunnier. I know everyone's going to be spending more time outside. Super important to remember to wear sunscreen, not just on your face, but really on any exposed skin to protect yourself. There are a lot of really great brands out there. I know, Pam, I think you've recommended Supergoop in the past. Yes. Um there yeah their stuff is so nice um but even in a pinch I really like Neutrogena's grease-free sunscreen that's like good for your face and your whole body um so even something like that in a pinch makes a huge difference Um, even if you're like not really going outside but you're sitting by an open window that has direct sunlight you can still get sun damage without sunscreen sitting there for a prolonged period of time so take care of your skin as the temperatures get warmer y'all
2: and instead of a recommendation this week I'm doing something different and dropping a did you know fact on everybody because this has been bothering me for a while
0: (laughs) Chloe's gonna hate this (laughs) (laughs)
2: Just don't include this one. It's fine. I don't know about y'all, but do you notice that when you snooze your alarm, at least on the iPhone, it only snoozes for nine minutes? And Mm -hmm. then, and, you know, half awake Andrew at 639 in the morning is like, just give me one more freaking minute. What the hell is going on? And then I think, why is it nine minutes? And then, you know, I doze off again. And then I just like forget to, to Google this. So I finally, finally Googled it. And... Alarm clocks don't snooze for 10 minutes because mechanically they couldn't when alarm clocks were first developed 60, 70 years ago. And then clockmakers had to decide if the snooze would be a little longer than 10 minutes or a little less. And then fearing more than 10 minutes would allow the clock owner to slip back into a deep sleep and risk being late. They picked nine minutes. But still, even digital alarm clocks today, they go with nine minutes for like old time's sake. There's no reason they need to go. They need to still be nine minutes, but they've just always been that way. So they stick with that. Apple, let me pick 10 minutes or nine minutes, please. I know.
0: I feel so robbed right now. I had no idea. This was a thing. My entire life when I've been snoozing, I'm being robbed of a minute each time.
2: Yeah. Well, (laughs) next time you do, you know, do you use your iPhone as the alarm? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're being robbed of a minute and it's bullshit. Why? Give me that minute, Tim Cook. I'm not happy.
0: I will say that I usually keep my phone on the opposite side of the room from me so that I can't snooze.
2: Oh, that's smart. So that sounds like hell.
0: It is hell. But the problem is I'll just lay there and be like 10 more minutes
1: and I'll just like
0: <laughs> nine snooze. more minutes.
1: I'll snooze for an hour. <laughs> and then also you're not scrolling through your phone when you're trying to be sleeping, right? Because you have to put it down. Yeah, that's that good. is helpful. That's good that would be that's
2: a good mental health. Yeah. <laughs> People also say you shouldn't look at your phone for the first like hour of the morning. I'm like, yeah, right. Good I'm luck. <laughs> I'm checking my phone at like 530 in the morning to see who died overnight. With like you, We got to
1: find out what's
0: going on with these <laughs> indictments. Like,
2: yeah, right. It's
0: popping off. Got to know
1: if I'm popping the champagne.
2: <laughs> I need to know what I'm going to be talking about on Millennial that night. I got no time for an hour before picking up the phone. Well, a couple of reminders before we wrap up. Make sure you are following the show for free in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And leave us a five-star review if you love the show in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can write to us by emailing millennialshow at gmail.com, or you can use the contact form or that confessional on millennialshow.com. And last but not least, do follow us on social media. We're a millennial show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for confessing. I'm Andrew.
0: I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela.
2: After Dark starts in a moment for patrons and Apple Podcast subscribers. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye. Bye.